Welcome in to Defending the Cup. DTC has officially been rebranded for all caps shows from Defeating the Curse, which the caps accomplished last year, to Defending the Cup as the playoffs get underway Thursday in Washington, D.C. The caps versus the Carolina, what is it, the Panthers, Paul? Who, who, who are they play? Hurricanes. The Hurricanes, thank you, Hurricanes. the Hurricanes. So, yeah, I, I need to get up to speed on all things. Uh, Hockey Joe needs to get caught up here. Uh, but before we get into that, thank you all for listening. We are This podcast is available on all platforms, Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, you name it, you can find us, Defeating the Curse. Just search DTC in a Google box, you will find us. FP, the Caps begin their defense of the cup. They're missing one key defensive player. They have maybe the best player of this generation suited up and 100% healthy, who just happened to you know toss in another 50-point uh, season. Is there anything to fear with Carolina in the next week and a half or so? So Carolina is a very good team. They're um, not very good. They're scrappy. They're not very good. The Caps pwned them all season long. Good enough to make long. the playoffs in a, in a – it was a very tight Eastern Conference race, right? So the fact that they made it in shows that they're a, a solid team. Um, the good news is we swept them in the regular season. Um but I believe they're averaging about almost three goals a game, the Carolina's offense. And our defense at times struggles. So, so the biggest key for the Caps would be to get out there and, and not give up that early goal, which we struggled with towards the end of the season. Um, but the Capitals have shored up their defense a little bit. It, it sucks that we lost Kepney, but Juice and, and everybody else that we've brought in, they're doing a, a, a fine job. At doing at orchestrating their defense, um, but the Caps' offense is just way too powerful. And and the in a seven game stretch, I, I don't think Carolina would even be an, an issue for us. I don't disagree with you. They they can't score goals. I mean, I, they were av- under. I think they were under three for uh, per game for the season, which is the lowest or second lowest I think in the Eastern Conference for playoff teams. They just remind me a lot of last year's. Uh, Blue Jackets team. I'm, I'm not 100 sure why they do. They just do. They're a scrappy bunch. Uh, they got a they got a first year head coach. Now, to be fair, we have a first year head coach as well. I, I just I like our first year guy more than their first year guy. Uh, I like our guy a lot, actually, like a lot, a lot. Um, but but this team, I mean, the Caps are really good and they're really balanced. Again, uh, I mean, what am I missing here? I mean, they should dispose of this team in four or five games. Correct. Yeah, the, there shouldn't be a concern for the Caps getting through the first round. Um, Carolina was really hot uh, since the All-Star break. I think they went 22-9-1, which is just one point better than the Caps. So they were 21-9-2. and um, So both teams are playing really, really hot. Um, Carolina is a good team. Like The concern here is that knowing Caps and like, like deep, DC curse lore where the caps can be in the first round and just get flashed and surprised by a scrappy team, as you put it and find themselves in a hole. Um, so we really will need to depend on our offense. You really need to have Ovi who just won a, a record eight rocket Richard trophy, which is unheard Incredible. of. Like Incredible. when you talk about goat in hockey, like he, he is, he's putting up Tom Brady equivalent, that's in hockey, right? So it's it's crazy how efficient this offense is. And when you match them up with Kuzi, who's getting hot in the right time, 
who's coming into playoff form. And then you have elite sniper Tom Wilson doing everything that he does. He's, he's essentially your X factor for all of the playoffs. Mark my words right now, Tom Wilson will be your X factor because he's your, he's your goon and he's also capable of scoring and he's going to fight on defense. So the, the caps are set up to win. Um, and like last year, I think the biggest thing is it comes down to how well Holtby plays. Um, and if he can remain one of the top netminders in, in the East Coast for right now. Um, well, that Holtby, guy that you're, you're basically just kind of brushing off right now has the third best save percentage in the history of the NHL playoffs, right? Like, just yeah. think about that, right? He's a, he's a .929, a .930 save percentage. That's incredible. That's incredible. You know, so he definitely had some stinkers last uh, last postseason, though. Let's not forget that, and there was and the season before that too. So, like this is the difference I think for me between this Caps team and years past is they've already they've accomplished everything, like they've done everything. Like there's no monkey on the back here, um, and frankly, I don't even think people expect them outside of DC anyway. I don't think people expect them to repeat. Uh, I mean, maybe I'm wrong in that, but they. You know, I think we, we discussed this uh, one or two podcasts ago. I think there's three or four teams that potentially could represent the Eastern Conference, um, and all of them have a legit chance to, you know, to win the whole thing. So, you know, I want the Caps to do it, but I don't think they have as much pressure as they did in the in seasons past. No, not at all. And and the key would be we got the, – the Caps got the best matchup that they want. The Caps wanted Carolina because you don't want to see Pittsburgh in the first round. Yep. Columbus is still butthurt from last season when, when we took him out after coming out of a 3-0 hole or whatever. Like, 2-0. 2-0 hole. And it, it's just, we the, the Caps got the matchup. And, and I think, like you are saying, I'm expecting Ovi to come out and just, from the get-go, essentially like what we did against Tampa, be more physical, hit the boards, watch the, the, the sloppy play, don't have any... Um, loose passes in the middle of the ice like keep keep your your passing lanes clean in front of Holtby like I think this team right now like the Caps have come into form and they're firing on all cylinders and any of the concerns on on the defense shouldn't necessarily be a concern because you still have some powerhouse defensive players out there some some defensemen and Reardon is a defensive minded coach so if anything he's going to key in on your defensive matchups and because the caps won the division and they have home ice advantage, they get to do the the second sub, right? So we, we get to see what Carolina puts on the ice first and Reardon gets to respond after that. That's the whole advantage of, of playing home ice. And for a team that struggles on defense to see that and to play that matchup game, that's going to be pivotal. So, I mean, who- Play this out for me. Like, what, what do you expect to happen in games one and two? Let's just look at the first two games. You know, do you, I expect the Caps to win both? Uh, but what what do you expect them to do? Because I I, I don't think like Scrappy is um, Scrappy helps you during the course of a long season, right? Scrappy allows you to take advantage of bad teams when they pop up on your schedule, sandwiched between uh, good teams, right? Scrappy doesn't necessarily help you when you have to face an elite team you know, three times in a week. Correct. So the it, it all depends on how the Caps come out in game one. So a lot of people don't realize, well, the Caps are an offensive powerhouse. The whole motto or the whole 
stigma of how they play is physical, grinded out, wear down that other team's defense. And that's how the Caps get all the goals that, that, that they got. I mean, you have seven, eight, 20 goal players. That's how they did it. It's by playing physical, grinding it out, throwing guys into the boards. And I mean, you'll see Ovi racing up, up the ice and just checking somebody and just doing what he needs to do because he's, he's thirsty for another trophy. And you can see that in his play all season. So if the Caps come out in game one and they're just physical right at puck drop and they're just smashing Carolina, Carolina is not going to know how to respond and they'll try to fight back. And that's when you have Tom Wilson who's going to lay out a hit. And that's when you have Susie's going to do his puck magic. And it's when you have Verona racing down after a slingshot and, and just getting the puck into the offensive zone. And then all of a sudden we'll set up our play and, and just, it's, it's a grind out offense that we have and teams aren't going to be able to handle that one, two, three, four games in a row. It's going to wear them down. Well, let's look around the Eastern conference then. I mean, as far as these other matchups go, what do, what else do you see? I mean, what, what team do you not want to see next? Not, not to put cart before horse, but I mean, I don't want to see the pens, you know, I mean, that just because of history. Um, but you know, again, like I just, it's just a different feel. Like when you've already won the whole thing, and you're not expected necessarily to do it. They've the Caps have had a good season. They've had a good season under uh, a new head coach, although he's not really new because everybody already kind of knew what he was about. So the Caps are just. I feel like they're playing with house money. I think they're going to come out loose. I don't think Carolina really poses a threat to them. I just, I just really don't. I, I could be 100 percent wrong, but I don't foresee them. Uh, looking bad, I, I don't see Braden, you know, having putting up a stinker. I mean, he was solid against them. I think he he allowed what nine nine goals, uh, nine goals through. I guess I guess for the entire season against them in five games or four games, five games, whatever it was. And and I'm looking at the stat sheet now. Give me a second here. 100, 113 saves and nine goals. I mean, I, I like our chances with him, you know, doing his thing. Yeah. You know, so you know, I don't know, I don't know, like. Maybe I'm just so. Maybe I just am missing something here. But yes, this is the matchup that the Caps wanted. But I want them to dispose of them quickly and rest. Absolutely. And here's the struggle. So being defending Stanley Cup champions, we're going to get the the prime time games that Saturday at three o'clock game for Game Two. You're going to get those matinee games, and it throws off the schedule a little bit. But if the Caps handle their business quick, they should be able to get plenty of rest. Um, for the next matchup. And and we would face the winners of the Islanders and the Pens. And that alone will be a fantastic series to watch and keep an eye out for because, again, you have Trotz now with the Islanders and he knows the Pens intimately. And those are two teams that you would hope would essentially just crush each other. Like You want that to go to seven. You want them to just murder each other and be exhausted. So hopefully the Caps get a, a battered team. Um, but looking at the rest of the Eastern Conference, you can assume Tampa Bay will just dispose of uh, the Blue Jackets, which will be fantastic to watch because the Blue Jackets, for whatever reason, have a chip on their shoulder, mainly because of the Caps last year, and they think they deserve it, even though they got the second wild card and barely got in. But you'll see Tampa Bay just wipe them out. And then the wild card would be uh, Boston versus uh, the Maple Leafs. And we we saw the Maple Leafs and, and we saw how fast they are. The the wild card for me would be, and this is, again, jumping ahead of it, if we ever get to the Eastern Conference Final and we 
somehow see Boston sneaking in, I mean, the whole city is aware of how to win and how to perform in playoffs. I mean, it's just, that's just a Boston thing. So for me, that would be the most concerning. I think if Tampa comes, you can take them in seven, and we've proven that with the, with the last three games that we had with them in a month. Um, but right now, Carolina, for me, they are not too big of an obstacle. It'll really be that second round when it's either the Islanders or the Pens. That'll be historically that's where you would assume the Caps choke. But this year it's a wild card. You don't know how Ovi and that team are going to respond or, or how they're going to go into the playoffs because playing as defending champions is going to be different than playing with the monkey on your back. So hopefully they're playing loose. Hopefully they're playing solid, tight, smart hockey. I think you're maybe dismissing the Lightning a little bit too uh, too quickly here because they're 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 not the same team that we saw last year. Um, you know the they're parts better. they're better, right? I mean, any, any team that has 103 goal differential, that's a ridiculous number. I mean, if you really if you really sit and just think about what that number is, but I mean, they ran laps around the Eastern Conference. I mean, 62 wins is not. I mean, that's as close to the 70 point mark or 70 win uh, mark. In the uh, in the NBA, as there is, I mean, sixty two is a ton of wins, FP, and mm-hmm. one hundred and three goal differential is insane. I mean, that is a lot of goals scored. I mean, three twenty five. The Caps put in two what two seventy something for the season, and the Caps. Right. I mean, the Caps had a good season as well. Their differential is only twenty nine goals. We're talking about one hundred and three. There's four times as many goals scored um, as far as the differential. That's a lot of goals. So I, I'm not. You know, I don't want to see Tampa. I, I hope somebody either slows them down or knocks them out. But outside of that, I mean, and it's 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 foolish to say like outside of that because they are the best team in the Eastern Conference. It's not the Caps. It is the Lightning. Um, yeah, absolutely. But they they were the best team in the conference last year. So you you have to go like everyone in the NHL, all fans, all teams, everyone assumed that the Eastern Conference final this year is going to be Tampa and Washington. And Tampa and Washington knew that. So if you watch those three games that we had within three weeks, it was playoff atmosphere and it was physical and it was fast. And it was Tampa saying, you threw us around and bullied us last year. We're going to do it this year. And then the third game when the, when the Caps won, it's because they were like, oh, don't forget we're still more physical than you. Because Ovi's big. Wilson's, Wilson's a monster. He's a big boy. And it's going to come down to Tampa and, and Washington from, from not from just being a homer. It just depends. haven't been what they historically had been. Um, Crosby's still doing insane things, but looking at the Eastern conference this year, I mean, Washington was close to the Islanders and I'm going to give that to trot and kind of like new coach beginners luck with that team. But Washington, I would tell you is probably the second best team in the Eastern Conference. They will see Tampa, and it's going to be it, playoff. There's nothing like playoff hockey. Don't give me basketball or March Madness or NFL. There's nothing like playoff hockey, and it's just a, it's a different world, and it's so fun to watch. Are you not going to watch the uh, the final UVA final tomorrow night? I will just because it's Virginia, and I'm honestly surprised that UVA made it to the championship. I mean. Uh, you, you're probably more well versed in it, but there was what the, the missed travel or whatever happened, and, and they kind of like dribble. fell. Yes. 
fell ass backwards into the championship, if I'm not mistaken. Well, no, I mean, they uh, no, they didn't fall into it. Yes, there was a missed double dribble call, but there was also a player that got fouled with three se- with a second left on the clock and sank. I mean, ice cold three for three from the free throw line uh, to seal the game. And I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I I don't really care about college basketball in the sense of like uh, the sport of it per se. Um, I, like, there's it's kind of sloppy basketball overall. It's not. I mean. The NBA is sloppy too. What, what am I talking about? But I'm I'm excited because it's UVA and nobody expected them to be there, but they are the better team, and there's a chance that you know since we started this podcast, the Caps win one, and now UVA has a chance to bring a championship to the DC Metro. I'm just saying, FP, this is this is a big deal it's for the podcast. True. It's a big deal for us. Although, if I'm not mistaken, most people down in Charlottesville don't really like to associate with Northern Virginia and the D.C. area. I mean, yes, that is the South, air quotes. But you know, <laughs> I'm going to claim it anyway. I mean, it's the, it. I mean, it's the state where my feet are right now, and I think it's the same state where your Absolutely. feet are, right? So, you know, yes. yeah, th- this podcast will take credit for another national championship or another, uh, you know, another you know championship. I mean. Look! Look at what we're doing now. Look at look. This is the, we've transcended now. We, we've not only defeated the curse. We're we're like we're, we're the opposite of whatever a curse is. We're 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 blessing the city, the the area, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. I mean, uh, look. Right. So so we and got, the Wizards lost today, which is actually fantastic news. It is. I don't know why Bradley Bill's still playing, but you know, look, Ernie's gone. So whether they win, uh, look, I don't expect them to win many games next season as it is. But Ernie's gone, and and that should make everybody just a little bit happier on the inside. If can, you care can about DTC basketball. take credit for that too? I think we should. I, frankly, I think we should. I think it's it's because of I this mean, podcast amplifying the disgust, the fans' perspective <laughs> on Ernie. And next, it's going to be uh, Bruce Allen. I think we just keep doing our job, and uh, things and heads will roll. Yeah, I like it. I'm. You're welcome, DC. You're, that's right. You're welcome, DC. <laughs> FB, thanks for making time. We're going to take a quick break. On the other side, we're going to jump into the national championship game between UVA and Texas Tech happening tomorrow night, Monday night, at a ridiculous start time of 9 p.m. I, I may not be able to stay awake to watch it, but nonetheless, I will talk about it coming right up after this. Welcome back into Defeating the Curse. Special guest, Dan. Dan the Wahoo, Dan the alum of UVA and every other school in the D.C. metro area. And if you think I'm kidding, I think he has degrees from George Mason, UVA, and then like a handful of uh, Cal State at or California at uh, schools on the West Coast or whatever. But regardless of all his academic accolades, Dan is a basketball, a collegiate basketball, college basketball, college sport fanatic to the 10th degree uh, Dan, just go ahead and take over and talk for 10 minutes about tomorrow night's national, ma- uh, national championship game, please. All right. Thanks, Joe. Uh, yeah, as, as you mentioned, I'm a huge college sports fan in, in Oahu. So naturally I'm going to be watching tomorrow night. Why aren't you uh, going to the up. game? Why aren't you going? Because it costs like $1,200 to fly to Minneapolis and I have three kids, so. I'm okay. going to be watching from home. You'll be watching from home. Why does the game start at 9.20? 9.20 is a ridiculous time. Yeah, I never understood this. I mean, it seems like they want to tailor to people on the West Coast, but I feel like if they start the game at 8, people on the West Coast can 
start watching at five and it shouldn't be a problem. I feel like people need to but, realize yeah. that people on the West Coast don't care about sports. They're at the beach or in flip-flops. They do not care about this event that's happening in the middle of America. I, I don't know. Like It always drives no. me crazy. It's the same with the Super Bowl. It's the same with the, the World Series. We have to start it late for the West Coast. Hello, the population of America lives on the eastern coast of America. Cater to us. Yeah, but you'd be, you'd be surprised. It's very transient on the West Coast, so you have a lot of people living there from all over the country. So Okay, but you live here. There. But you live here. You left there, and now you live here, right? Like, this is where yeah. the majority of people in America <laughs> live between D.C. and New York, or, like, in the Northeast. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I'm going to stay up regardless, so... Okay, fair enough. Okay, tell me what I need to know about this matchup. So let, let's just kind of set the table here. UVA was the only one seed that survived, what, the round of six? No, the round of eight, right? They're the only team that actually made it to the to, to the final four. Um, they were the heavy favorite, in my opinion, once they got there with the likes of whoever they were playing. Like, it just it looked like everything kind of fell into place for UVA to, you know, move on and it just looked like it was going to be a lot easier than it ended up being yes there was a missed double dribble call I don't really care about that because it's indefensible what happened on the other end of the court one second later you can't foul a guy shooting a three when there's a one second on the clock you just got to be more aware of your of what's happening like game awareness um you know uh, you, you just can't do that so I, I don't like I don't care that people are upset that UVA got in on a missed call or whatever because frankly like Missed calls happen all the time. Auburn shouldn't have fouled, period. But UVA survives. UVA is not going to play Texas Tech. Uh, I, I expected Michigan State to win that game uh, against Texas Tech. It didn't happen. Texas Tech just looked they looked like the better team from start to finish, to be quite honest. And, it, you know, it, it, Tom Izzo, he definitely did a good job coaching uh, the, the Spartans back into it, but they just didn't have enough late. I mean, what did you see in the two matchups yesterday, in those two games yesterday? Did you expect UVA to win, given how they played the first, I don't know, 35 minutes of the game. Well, the matchup tomorrow is pretty much the top two defensive teams in the country. Um, I didn't expect Texas Tech to be in the final four, but when they did get to the final four, I, I, I shoot them in over Michigan state just because, you know, they, they are suffocating defense as is UVA. I mean, they, they play different types of defense. I mean, Texas Tech is more of a, you know, smash mouth defense. UVA is more of uh, a zone. They play the they play, they play the pack line zone um, that you know Coach Bennett has been preaching his his ten years here at UVA. He learned it from his dad. Um, so different types of defense. I'd say Texas Tech is more of a physical team. Um, so, but nonetheless, it's the two best teams defensively in the country, in my opinion. Um, Texas Tech is number one in field goal percentage, uh, holding their, their opponents in field at 37%. UVA is at 38%. So tomorrow is going to be a defensive battle. And I think I saw the, you know, the over-under for the game was set historically. You know, one, 120 points was the lowest over-under, you know, previously set. And this game was as low as 100, you know, minus 117 earlier today. So, um, but the way they got here, I mean, Yes, UVA was one of the number one seeds that made it, but they had their miracles and struggles along the way. So, it, you know, they they may have gotten some lower seeds along their path to the Final Four, but each game was, you know, aside from maybe the Oklahoma game, um, you know, was a battle till the end. And, you know, the last two games, 
the one versus Purdue and, you know, the one just played yesterday versus Auburn were miracles that they should have lost, but by divine intervention, they're in the championship game. <laughs> I know you're convinced that Jesus loves UVA. I, I, I don't, I'm not buying personally. I don't, I don't think Jesus has a rooting interest in sports, but you know, I'll let you believe what you want. You know what happened? What What was your thought yesterday, Dan? Watching this team, I mean, UVA had stretches where they played really well. They, I mean, against Auburn, then they had stretches where they just seemed like they couldn't get a bucket. They were forced into bad shots, or they were getting no shots off at all. I, I mean, I lost track of how many twenty uh, thirty five seconds. They got to shorten that, by the way. Thirty five seconds is is way too long for a possession um, in college basketball in any in any sport. It's just too long. Like there's too many passes at the three-point line I just hate I hate watching it but that's that's a sidebar conversation you know I, I didn't think UVA was going to pull that game out given the way they played and when they went down what was it six or seven points I think with about I mean they were up I think they were up five with five minutes to go or up six with five minutes to go no they were up by 10 they were up by 10 and then Auburn went on a 12-0 run yes and I it, I remember watching the game yesterday with one of my coworkers and I told him once they were up like 10, once they got to that 10 point mark, it's about five minutes left. I turned to him and said, they should be able to control the pace. This game should be over because if you've watched any UVA games, or especially in the ACC over the past two to three years, if UVA holds like a five to seven point lead with a few minutes left in the game, you know, I think there's something like, like at this season, they're about 30 and zero or something like that. So there's, they're, I call them the San Antonio Spurs of, of college basketball <laughs> because they're methodical, you know, you know, they run a system and they control the pace of the game. And that's their, that's their thing. They, you know, they also have no, one of the stars. things, one of the things in the fan base is embrace the pace. So it's, it's not the sexy basketball that you're going to watch, you know, with the Kentuckys and the Dukes with the five-star recruits. It's, it's a methodical system, but, they're locked in and they're well coached and with a 10 point lead with under five, it's almost a hundred percent, but they're going to hold that lead. But so I, I had my panics at the end, but somehow it worked. <laughs> does this team but, have, does this team have NBA talent on it? Yeah. Well, so Deandre Hunter is, is slate. He's, he's one of their forwards. He's slated to go as a top six pick. So he'll be a lottery pick. He hasn't had the best tournament. Um, but um, he's shown through this season that he's a lottery pick. He should be a lottery pick. I don't know if he's going to go as high as five or six anymore, but he should go in the lottery. And then Ty Jerome, um, their redshirt, or sorry, he's a junior guard, uh, is slated in the first round. Um, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to go. But and then you have Kyle Guy, who who saved them last night, who's potentially another guy that could go to the NBA. Um, so yeah, they have three NBA players, and then uh, Texas Tech has uh, Jarrett Culver, who's another guy that should go in the lottery. So there is some talent on the floor, like NBA level talent. But the tail of the, the game tomorrow is going to be the defense. Um, so it's so gonna somebody be somebody's going to win like forty-seven to forty-three, is what you're telling me. Yeah, I mean UVA's uh, adjusted efficiency under in Ken Palm is top three in the, in the country so the, you know the thought that everybody has every year year in year out that UVA has no offense or it's a slow offense it's changed this year so um but they're playing Texas Tech tomorrow so yes it's going to be a low scoring 
you know, grind it out. Well, what's your prediction, Dan? Give me your prediction. You watch hours and hours and hours, and you have watched hours and hours and hours of not just tournament ball, but UVA ball uh, throughout. I don't know how many Texas Tech games you watched throughout the season, but I know you watched a ton of uh, UVA games. I mean, what do you expect to happen tomorrow? Give me, give me a score. Give me uh, a storyline. Give me a player to watch and uh, and an MVP. Um, I don't know. I'm. I've been kind of looking at Texas. I haven't watched them much this year. I, you know, I watched them play in the Big Twelve tournament. Um, so I didn't get to see them play too often this year. But I just looked at kind of their past fifteen to twenty games, um, and they've had two losses. You know, one to Kansas and. I think West Virginia. So they're, they're hot right now. Um, and you know, you saw them play Michigan state, they suffocated that Gonzaga, you know, they're beating these teams up, but that they're not supposed to. So, but I've been saying this all along. UVA is the team of destiny. You know, they're, they lost to the UMBC last year as the, as a one versus 16. And this is tomorrow is the ultimate redemption. If they come back, and finish the tournament run and win the, the title. They're vindicated. They're the regime team. So obviously I'm a little biased, but I'm going with UVA tomorrow. I think they win, you know, I'm going to go with uh, 65-63 UVA. Oof. And I, I expect DeAndre Hunter to have a good game tomorrow because he's been kind of, you know, MIA for the tournament. So, um, I actually don't think I don't think he was I don't think he was on the court for the last four or five seconds of the game yesterday. I could be wrong. I go back and watch it, but he, he you know I don't think I called it. I mean his name wasn't called a lot yesterday um, down the stretch. Well, I mean the, the the end of the game yesterday was very strange because they panicked, and I I rarely see that. I mean aside from Kyle Guy at the end of the game, he, you know making that three and then the three big, free throws yeah, in a row, like yeah, just big onions complete there. ice water in his vein. Aside from that, but Ty Jerome, what, you know, he, he, he drew his fourth foul with around, you know, I think around the four minute mark. So he had to go out and then that's when Auburn kind of went on their run. And then he came back in and started jacking threes, trying to win the game. So yeah, DeAndre Hunter was, I didn't really hear his name much, but um, aside from the overtime against Purdue, he didn't really do much in the tournament, so I'm expecting a, a big game from him tomorrow. So I look for, you know, him and Culver on the Texas Tech side to kind of, you know, show out a little bit. Those are the two top players on both teams. Well, damn. Yeah, so my prediction, 65-63 UVA and ultimate redemption and the future 30 for 30. We'll watch this. We're watching it live right now. <laughs> I mean, is it going to be called the Redeem Team? I mean, they were they were the first one seed to fall to a 16 seed, correct? They were the first. Yeah, they, they were the first, and if I think if they win the title tomorrow, they that will be somewhat erased. But it's never going to be forgotten. But it's good, like it's the ultimate comeback story, you know. What, I don't know. What are you expecting in Charlottesville tomorrow? I mean, UVA is a refined school, but what do you what do you expect uh, I mean, the campus to look like? It's going to be nuts. I mean, if you saw the night they won, they won and beat um, Purdue to go to the Final Four, there was a crowd surfing bride that was getting married, and they crowd surfed through, you know, <laughs> through a crowd. It's, it's going to be chaos tomorrow. Now, I don't think you're going to be seeing flipped cars and things like that. Um, but it's going to be a party down there. I think they're hosting a watch party 
at John Paul Jones Arena. So that should be fun uh, for anyone that could get down there tomorrow. <laughs> but I'll be watching from the comfort of my home because it's going to be pretty late. But um, expect a good game. I mean, as much as people say UVA is boring, they've been, you know, all the games that they've been in this year in the tournament have been probably the most exciting games. So Yeah, I mean, boring can also be fun, right? The team is boring, but they haven't had a – I mean, the, the games have been fun. I mean, yesterday, uh, I'm, a, I'm a casual college basketball guy. I tuned in because it is a essentially a local team. A UVA, a UVA is a local team as far as I'm concerned. And, uh, yeah, it, it pulled me in. I mean, it, it wasn't exciting until, it, you know – it was. I won't say that it was a different type of exciting, especially the last, I don't know, three, four minutes. It, it was, uh, I, I wasn't expecting that. And, and like you and I've been playing basketball, like rec ball, church ball, whatever, forever, like essentially our entire lives. You don't foul a guy behind the three point line with a second to go. Like you just gotta be more aware. I, it was such an improbable twist that I, I didn't see it coming. You know, you and, and a handful of other uh, people that are, are, you know, that I'm close to, you know, essentially all had the same reaction, which is like, what, I mean, what did I just witness? How did we go from, you know, the pit of despair to, uh, you know, the cloud nine in, in, in 0.6 seconds? How did, how did that happen? But regardless, I mean, it, it reminded me of Reggie Miller when he took over in the garden that one time. And I think he scored like what, seven points in like yes three or three or three seconds or something, something crazy. Yes. But that's what Kyle guy reminded me of last night. He basically, he essentially scored, but yeah, he scored on that possession um, right before Texas Tech shot the, or sorry, um, Auburn shot the, the the two free throws, which one was missed, and then yep. came back and they hit the three free throws. So I mean, six points in probably under ten seconds. Well, we um, will we will see what DeAndre Hunter and the the Cavaliers have in store for us tomorrow. Dan, thank you for making time. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for talking about your passion in college basketball. I I hope for your sanity and for your household sanity that the uh, the Cavaliers pull this off, that Virginia pulls this off and beats Texas Tech. On the other side of a quick break, Lamar Butler from the George Mason Patriots circa 2005-2006. You will remember that name. You will remember his story. We are going to take a stroll down memory lane, relive some of his glory, uh, as a Cinderella, as the Cinderella star that leading the Patriots to the Final Four back then under Coach Jim Laranega, we'll get his pick and uh, his analysis of this matchup as well after a short break. Thanks again, Dan. Any final shots? No, just go Hoos. We got to bring it home. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dan. We'll be right. We will be right back. Welcome back into Defeating the Curse. My name is Joe. Special guest joining the show from the DMV, Lamar Butler. Uh, Lamar, I mean, for those of us who grew up in this area, went to school in this area, regardless of what school you went to, you're a known commodity. It's really exciting for me to be talking to you. Uh, you're, you're one of our uh, local heroes. And as a George Mason Patriot, I will never forget the run to the Final Four. It, it seems like an eternity ago. I mean, that was before kids. That was before. That was like five presidents ago, it feels like. But thank you so much for making time. Thank you so much for jumping on the podcast. Uh, this is your first time on the podcast, but we're really happy to have you. Uh, I mean, Lamar, can you just what are you up to these days? Well, currently right now I'm uh, coaching summer uh, grassroots AAU, the team takeover, uh, the best summer AAU organization in the country. Uh, we coming off the Peach Jam Championship, coaching high school basketball at uh, PBI in Fairfax, Virginia. I have my own business. I'm on sporting goods business, Sports Heaven USA, Sports Heaven 
Club is the website. Everybody can listen and want some equipment, uniforms. That's what I'm doing. Club. <laughs> oh, hey, look, that's awesome, man. I, I, I look, you you lived out the dream that many of us, I think, uh, playing rec ball, church ball, random ball, pickup ball, whatever. I mean, like I said, I, I was at Mason during that that crazy run, right. uh, and and it's just one of those things. I remember running. I, I think we had a class together, but regardless of that, yeah. I just remember being on campus. I remember being just charged up that we – I mean, the run was improbable. I, I don't know how frequently you, you reminisce or kind of go down memory lane. I don't, I don't even know if you keep in touch with, with your teammates from back then, but, I mean, do you remember that run? Do you remember that run? Definitely, um, you remember the run, but then at the end of the day, you know, the, the loss still overshadows. I mean, just as a competitor, though, you, you see, you can't get any like crap we lost the next day in Florida. So it's kind of, you know, like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. One minute you're up, and the next thing you know, you're down because that was the last game you remember. And obviously, it didn't go in our favor. Yeah, look, but I mean, but you you beat some heavyweights on during that run, yeah. and that that's what'll always stick with me. And you know, for me, I, mm-hmm. I'll say that the the tournament has lost some of its luster. Maybe it's just because I, I I got I, you know we've all grown up, we got other things going on. Maybe that's part of it. Uh, I think the one and done, uh, the the one and done, basically that the players yeah, sure. college basketball has changed tremendously. And and anybody mm-hmm. who listens to this show regularly knows how I feel about the one and done rule. I think personally, if a player is going to commit to college, he's got to be there for three years. I think it gives the the school an opportunity to build a program or to, to continue to build their program around around bodies that they know they're going to have for at least three seasons. I think it gives coaches a real opportunity to coach. And I think the NBA ultimately benefits as well by getting a more polished player, or any professional league for that matter, gets a more polished player after three years of ball. You know, get, give give the guys an opportunity. If they want to go pro, you know, go pro. But if you're going to go to college, I think three years is the minimum. Do, do you have a thought on this? Do you have a thought on the one and done at all? Yeah, I, I'm not a fan of telling kids what to do because uh, it's like that only in the NFL and NBA. In baseball, you can go to the minor leagues. I think the NBA is starting to do a better job of picking up the minor leagues so give kids the opportunity to develop. Um, I think that they should allow the NCAA, they should allow kids to go to explore the NBA straight out of high school and if it doesn't work out, let them come to college. Um, and while they're in college, they should be able to get paid sort of like the uh, USA model. If somebody wants to endorse them, let them get endorsed. Um, I just think it's just highway robbery. Uh, just I remember when I was, you know, coming coming up, and then I went through the NCAA tournament. We sat down, you know, excellent interviews with NCAA and asked them why is it that we can't give benefits, and they were saying there's just no way to monitor that everybody gets the same. Uh, hey, it's just nonsense. They just use that as an excuse not to pay people. But I think it should just be set up like the, how the uh, Olympics is. You know, if Nike or somebody wants to endorse somebody, let them. Well, I mean, it's clear that Nike and Adidas are doing what they want anyway. So, you know, not not to shine a light on them, but I mean, look, it it is absurd. And the NCAA has a very weird way of of picking some very strange battles. I mean, locally here, they picked on Kyle Guy, right? They made him take down his wedding registry. Uh, because they don't yeah, want they want they don't want boosters or fans buying him stuff, but it's it just it, the whole thing is is messed up, and that's a whole other right. topic. But, <laughs> but then it, but then his jersey is on sale at school, so I don't want to hear that they don't want him to. Yeah, I mean, make money off I, his I, name. I'm with he you. Can't man. Make money off they're his selling name. a product, yeah, right? Crazy. They're good, if they're good enough to play right. and they're good enough to put on a jersey and they're good enough to. I mean, they're they're clearly selling tickets. There's, I mean, UVA. Yeah. I mean, if you're if you're cheering for either of these teams tomorrow night, you're you're spending a pretty penny to get to that final uh, matchup yep. game. So. Like, why not monetize it? I'm I'm with you on this. It's a commodity, and if you can yeah. trade your commodity and, and make, a, make a penny for it, I think you should make that mm-hmm. money. I, I think, you know, I would like to see them maybe go to a, a recruit model where, you know, these five-star, four-star, three-star recruits, whatever, it's more so on the football side, but just come up with a tier, right? And every school can can choose to spend or not spend. 
based on, mm-hmm. you know, how many stars this recruit is or whatever it is. Like they, there's gotta be a better way than what we got now. Uh, because Definitely. whether, whether it's, and I don't mean to like, like pick on people, but like, I mean, now there's, there's stories coming about like Zion was getting Nike money and whatever. And like there's LSU's got a whole situation going on and on the NFL side, you know, Cam Newton, I mean, that's a pretty, that's a pretty well-documented story yeah. as well. Like there's money yep. everywhere and it seems like yep. the only people are losing are the actual student athletes, air quotes, yep. student and I'm not for that either. So I think you and I are on the same wave- wavelength there. But no doubt. regarding this game tomorrow night, I'm assuming you watched the, the final four matchup, the, the two games last night. Do you have a, a feeling one way or another going into tomorrow night, UVA versus Texas Tech? I've been coaching and playing for so long. It's about matchup. But at the end of the day, you got to make shots. And you just never know how the ball is going to bounce. I gave up trying to predict uh, games. <laughs> I said this year I'd just be a fan, and I, I definitely get picked you really smart, so I'm not going to be the guy who's going to start not picking up, keep up that, that trend. So I'm going to pick UVA just continue that. Well, Lamar, if you, look, I'm with you. I, I think it's going to – I'm going UVA as well. I mean, we are – we are local here. I mean, this this podcast was born from, uh, you know, basically the pain felt throughout the area for different teams uh, that just can't seem to get over the hump. I mean, the last time we had a college, ba- I mean, obviously George Mason made it, made it pretty far in uh, a couple of different times. But, I mean, Maryland won the whole thing in 2001, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, UVA hasn't made it. They didn't even make it to the, I think, past the Sweet 16 since 1984. They have a great shot here. I, I think for me, when, when Duke... And, uh, and and obviously now with Michigan State being out as well. But when Duke went out, I just kind of looked at this that Final Four and I was like, all right, like UVA actually is the the most balanced team here. I think it'll be an ugly yeah. game tomorrow. I think if either team, oh, you know, sure. if either one if either one gets the 50, 51 points, I think that's going to be enough to uh, to win. I think it's going to be an ugly defensive game. I mean, unless you love defense, yep. and then it might be a really <laughs> might be your thing. But for me, it's gonna I think it's gonna feel like a real boring game and. And, and frankly, like UVA yeah. shouldn't even be there. And, and you know, I'm not a. I went to George Mason. Yes, I have a lot of friends that went to UVA. I, I'm just cheering for good sports, good basketball. I'm like you. I, I'm just a fan of sport at this point. But you know, maybe there was a no call on that double dribble. Maybe, but you can't foul a guy when he's behind the three point line with under a second left in the game. No, you, you can't. just can't do it. You can't you do can't. it. No, you can't. Uh, you can't. And that's the ball head. That's basketball one on one from the time you you pick up a basketball and have a foul a jump shooter. I mean, you can't. You get. But they definitely. Yeah, you gotta. You gotta be more aware. You gotta be aware of what's going yeah. on around you. You just can't do it. But uh, I, I'm with you. I think UVA is gonna pull this off, and I'm excited to see what Charlottesville looks like here in uh, in the next couple of days if, <laughs> if it happens. I mean, it was pretty nuts yesterday, uh, just on yeah. the on the heels of getting to the game. So we'll see what happens. But uh, you know, yeah. I, I'm just curious. Like you've you obviously you've been around basketball for the the last two decades plus. Um, you know, you, you played at at you were one game away, right? If you didn't run into, yeah. uh, was it Noah and the, and the Gators, you may have even gotten a chance yeah. to play for a national championship. Like, and then obviously you had a professional career. Now you're on the coaching side of things. Like, like what sticks out to you over the last, you know, two decades, like when you see Zion play, for example, is, is he the best college basketball player you've ever seen? Uh, I can't give him the best. I, I would say probably the most explosive, uh, basketball player gifted as far as the physicality of it. Um, I, I will say I've seen better um, basketball players. Like Beasley was unreal. You know, he could score from anywhere. Uh, Zion has a couple of deficiencies. Even Kevin Durant, I mean, he was pulling up from you know 40 feet out. <laughs> so yeah. Steph, um, it's just amazing to see the guys how big and fast they can tell you to get. 
I mean, you just see somebody six seven, two eighty five, jumping like a freaking reindeer. It's just crazy. Um, and have that skill set and be that nimble. Um, these guys are just freaks of nature, and they're dedicated to the craft far more than we were. And these guys work out constantly. So that's why you see the, the uptrend of athleticism and the skill, high skill, big guys, where everybody pretty much is on a guard as a guard on the floor. You didn't see that, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Which is crazy to think about, right? Because you're right. Everybody that that's growing up, everyone that's like Zion, for example, let's just pick on him for a second here. Like he grew up, you know, watching Kobe play. Kobe grew up watching Michael play. Michael grew up watching whoever Michael grew up watching play. Michael was the Michael in my mind is the. I mean, I'm a Kobe guy, but it's hard to argue against the MJ, uh, the believers, right? right? The people that are just like he's the best ever. Like yeah. I'm not, I'm not gonna have that argument. That somebody else can have that argument. He he was awesome to watch. I grew up watching him. You know, but when you, it's amazing to think like, what will this generation of players, what will they look like, right? In the era of Steph Curry, for example, where, you know, no three, like there's no, there's no bad shot if you're Steph Curry, right? And, and you see how everybody tries to emulate that. You see the NBA on a whole moving towards shoot more threes, shoot more threes. And, yeah. you know, and the, the three and D you know, like that, that whole mindset, like small forwards when like in the basketball that I remember watching growing up, small forwards were like the third option, fourth option shooting wise. And you just basically yeah. had them out there to, uh, to set picks and, and, and just eat up some space. Now you, you have entire offenses, you know, basically built around that three and D type of model. I mean, it's a, it's incredible to see. Like, I don't know how much NBA you watch, but like, what do you see uh, in the modern game? Uh, you have to you have to be well rounded. Um, you have to be able to defend all a lot of positions. You have to be able to create your own shot out the pick and roll, or create a shot for somebody else in pick and roll. You have to, be able to make open threes um, and be athletic. That's probably the biggest thing. Um, athleticism nowadays, six five, six six long, like I say, can guard multiple positions. Um, because because the game is so much faster and quicker and you have more space, you got to be able to cover space and play in space. So that requires you to have some length or be super skilled on offense. So um, the game is moving further and further away from the paint. Up to the three point line, past the three point line. So uh, it's definitely definitely changed since I play. I wish I played this generation. <laughs> Main three they get to shoot, but it's definitely changed since I played. Well, look, the team that you played on, and I remember watching a lot of those games uh, during during your senior year run. I mean, it was one of the most balanced teams I think I've ever seen. Yeah. And I I went back and just you know you know knowing that you were coming on the show, I went back and kind of looked. I, I didn't even I forgot about like how good this team was. Like the CAA yeah. isn't like the it's not a powerhouse conference, but to have five guys averaging double figures, to be you know to mm-hmm. to go twenty plus wins, and and coach Coach Larinaga was a he, he was he is still a good coach. Uh, I mean, he, yeah. he, he got close again in 2011. So, I mean, that was a special yeah. time. It was a special time to be, you know, in Fairfax, Virginia, to be on that campus, to, to watch this improbable run through a series of, you know, I mean, champions. I mean, you guys beat teams that had championship pedigree through and through. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that was a special time. I, I'll never forget it personally. I'm sure it was even more yeah. special for you. I haven't been like you were on the court actually taking the shots and, and running the plays. So I, I can only imagine like what, what it was like for yeah. you, but you know, I, uh, you know. Thank you for making time. I, I really appreciate you you spending a couple minutes here with us talking basketball. And uh, I went to Bishop O'Connell High School. It doesn't sound like you have a strong, like it doesn't sound like you have strong ties to Paula Six, but that is the the arch rival. <laughs> right, of Bishop yeah, O'Connell. yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, so, I was I was baptized to the rivalry this year. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, well, welcome to the rivalry. It's always it, that's always yeah. a fun matchup. But Lamar, thank you yeah, so much definitely. for making time. Really appreciate it. And, and uh, give everybody right, that welcome. website one more time. Oh, it's sportsheaven.club. 
Uh, you can be on Facebook, Sports Every USA. Same with Instagram, Sports Every USA. Uh, you'll see my name pop up. Like I said, you need any sports equipment, uniforms, apparel. I got you covered. Thank you so much, Lamar. Have a great night. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. We got a little bit of everything on this podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. FP and myself, we had a lot of fun talking caps. Dan and myself had a lot of fun talking Wahoos and the matchup tomorrow night, the national championship game against Texas Tech. And, of course, special guest Lamar Butler. Thank you so much for coming on, Lamar. Thank you for everybody that that listened to the podcast from start to finish. Thank you so much for sticking around for 50 minutes. It's one of the longer ones. We really try to keep them around 30, but there was a lot of content on this uh, Sunday night edition. For those that are first-time listeners, find us online, Defeating the Curse. Just search it. You'll find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn, Slacker, SoundCloud, you name it. You will find this podcast on the on the internet, DefeatingTheCurse.com, on Facebook, on Twitter as well. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Joe. For all the boys at DTC, thank you for listening. Have a great night. Go UVA. Let's see if the Redeem team can bring it home. Good night.